Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Visit bullrealty.com, especially check out our land sales and site selection services. We have a few huge land group here if you're looking for any sites or sell any sites in the Southeast U.S. Reach out to me, Michael at bullrealty.com. And look, that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today is uh, uh, development, rezoning, entitlement. You know, that it's a big part of commercial real estate, highest and best use. We're seeing a lot of properties today changing use, aren't we? Some retail properties going more industrial. We're seeing conversions of buildings to uh, office buildings, to hotels, to residential. A lot of money can be made in entitlements and knowing what you're doing and how to zone for these properties. And know the process right. While some of you may know my next guest, please welcome Patrick Fox. He's CEO of Consensus Strategies, and he's joining us on video. Patrick, good to see you, sir. Good to see you, Michael. Thanks for having me. Well, my first question is uh, timing-wise. You know, we've seen a little bit of slowdown in capital markets and financing, a little bit slowdown on, on new projects. We've just kind of escaped the uh, hope, the, the COVID era. Uh, where zoning was was interesting. I want to hear more about the changes there from now, from zoning it during, uh, during what's it called, COVID, and now. But how is the timing right now to do entitlements in zoning? Sure. Around January, February, we saw a lot of big projects put on hold uh, due to the capital markets, especially large-scale warehouse logistics projects and others. Um there's been a lot of renegotiating and a lot of them are back. Uh, so uh, we're, we're starting to see it heat up again. That's interesting. So you saw a slowdown and now you're seeing the volume pick back up of folks trying to rezone and title. Um, and uh, what would you uh, say to them related to the timing compared to um, COVID? Seems like during COVID, there were some advantages, right? There were, uh, the, the greatest advantage of COVID is the video meeting. Um, video meetings, we're in a, we're in, planning and zoning is dominated by opponents, frankly. Um, who shows up at these meetings? It's abutters, opponents. Uh, supporters don't tend to show up uh, unless they are uh, encouraged to do so. And it takes a lot of organizational work on these projects to bring supporters out and demonstrate support for a project. So we, we've got a planning and zoning system that's dominated by opponents. And during COVID, uh, public meetings were happening by video. It is much more difficult over video to hijack a meeting. It is more difficult to uh, to to boo people, to uh, um, dominate a meeting, to have a couple of angry people in a crowd intimidate other neighbors and potential stakeholders. So, uh, video is much more controlled. Also, we took it even further, and we're uh, now that everyone knows how to use it, right? Uh, uh, just about everyone is comfortable getting on a Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting now, has the technology and they know how to do that. So we, we're doing a lot of public meetings that are developer-generated where we send a postcard to every household, um, announce that we're going to have a, a town meeting, video town meeting on a project, that they'll get a short presentation, be able to ask questions, 
and opponents can't hijack it. Um, everybody gets their say. We deal with the tough questions. You have to, otherwise uh, it doesn't have credibility. But when your most passionate opponent comes on and they make their case um, and attack the project, you listen. Uh, they have their two minutes. You say thank you. You hit mute and you address their issue and you move on to the next one. They don't continue to impact the rest of the meeting. So it is a, a much safer, much more effective format where everybody gets their say, where you can demonstrate support. You can deal directly with questions that are of concern on the project. Um, it, we always suggest that you record those meetings. And I say to clients who are always nervous about these because you're exposed here, if you like it, we can provide it to the media. We can put it on uh, social media or on the website so other people can access it. And I have never not, have, not had a client want to do it. Every single one of these I've ever done, and I only work on highly controversial projects, on every single one we have wanted to put that tape out there and wanted everybody to see. And are the zoning boards uh, still allowing it uh, to be done via video? That's starting to change. Some places are. You know, because of what I talked about before in terms of it being um, uh, opponent-dominated, um, mm -hmm. these, these boards recognize... Uh, it, They've been talking about it for decades. How do we increase participation so that we're bringing in other people other than these direct abutters? I mean, sometimes you've got projects where the abutters are afraid of the unknown, what's about to happen in, in their neighborhood, but the rest of the, the city or town understands what this is going to mean for them in terms of tax dollars and fire trucks and police officers and money for the schools and creating jobs, and they know they need it for economic development. Um, so- this allows and encourages those people to participate in the meeting. That's excellent. And do these opponents need credibility? These opponents, I often end up talking to clients about this who get frustrated that um, they'll say uh, the opposition to the project is just silly. It doesn't make sense. They can't make that claim because it's not true. Well, yes, they can. <laughs> um, there's there's a, a huge difference between the position you need to take as a developer where everything you need to say must be true. You need to be able to back it up. And if you screw that up, you've blown your credibility and it's it's going to hurt you not only in this project, but in every single project you do down the line. The, the bar is, is very high for you as a developer. As an opponent, they're throwing stuff against the wall. You know, somebody can come into the meeting and say, you're going to generate 50,000 cars a week. Uh, how do you know this? Well, my brother-in-law, Jimmy, knows a guy who's a traffic engineer. And he says, now, we can you know, dispute that. We can, we'll knock down that claim. We'll bring in our traffic engineer. And we'll, we'll, we'll explain why that's absolutely not true. And that guy shrugs his shoulders. He walks away. And they bring up the next guy who says, you're going to pollute our water. And so it could be very frustrating for a developer because these claims don't have to be true. They just keep throwing stuff out to, to see what sticks. I've done a lot of work um, in uh, utilities and energy where engineers will often end up rising to the level where they're overseeing these facilities and they end up having some public outreach duties. And you know, for the, the engineering mindset, things are black and white. It's either true or, or something is not true. And dealing with that ambiguity um, uh, can be frustrating for them. So we have done seminars where I've taken groups of, of, of 
um, energy executives and said, um, you are now an opponent to your own project, okay? There's a hearing coming up next week. What are the arguments you're going to use to stop your project? And they sit there and look at each other and say, we can't think of any arguments to stop our project. I said, well, I'm here because you lost the last five of these, okay? <laughs> what arguments did they use to stop you in the last five? And they'll say, well, none of those arguments were true. Uh, so they need to learn to deal with all of them. You need to deal with them respectfully um, and uh, understand that the boards know who the crazy people are. Uh, and the boards tend to be fairly rational in, in, in discerning and figuring out what arguments are true and which ones aren't. Um, so you can't lose your temper. You can't minimize them. Uh, you have to be respectful. You'll have to deal with each one and move on to the next one. Yeah, that's interesting. I I was going to build one house on, uh, there was already one house on five or six acres I had, and I built one more house, but then because of the road access, I had to get it zoned. And zoning said, yeah, it'd be great. It'd be fine. Come on in. And then a neighbor popped up at the at the event and said that uh, my future un, unborn child that I'm not pregnant, but one day I'm going to have a child and this child will die if you build that house. And they did not approve it. <laughs> it's like, what? So the, the whole, how many have to die argument yeah. is, is uh, when we, that often comes up in my office. Um, and, and we, we sort of all check a box like playing bingo, uh, every time, uh, it happens at a meeting, <laughs> you're going to increase traffic and someone's going to die at that intersection and how many have to die for your grocery store. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and so, Again, you need to be respectful and you need to, to deal with that issue rationally. Um, the, there are still too many developers who will say, we should win on our merits. This is a good project. We're doing good things to the town. I've spoken to the mayor. I've spoken to city councilors. They need the project. It's a good thing. We should win on our merits. Well, um, it needs to be a good project to open, but then they forget about the politics. And even when they've talked to the mayor and they've talked to city councilors and everything looks great on paper and they walk into a city council meeting and there's 200 furious uh, residents that have been organized and uh, are going to are going to stare down the board saying you absolutely can't build this. Then, you know, all of your backroom deals are out the window and, uh, uh, and you made a mistake because you didn't do the outreach, deal with those people directly and demonstrate support. Because these elected officials are not going to commit political suicide for your project, whether they need it or not. <laughs> That's right. Um, we have a big land group here, and we've sold uh, land projects and redevelopment projects for 35 years. And one of the things that we do when we're representing the sellers of these land, we get a buyer who's going to rezone. We're like, okay, definitely want to know what you're trying to rezone and how it looks. But we also want to know who's handling it. Um, you know, because like if I was handling it myself, well, obviously I just told you I failed to build one house. <laughs> A second house of five or six acres. You don't want me doing it. I don't have the temperament for it. When somebody says something stupid like that, I just want to tell them they're crazy, but you can't really do that, right? Yeah, it's a failure of political due diligence. Yeah. There's all the work that goes in prior to a, a company or a developer picking a site, looking at the markets, looking at the engineering, all of that due diligence they do, they often do not do the politics. And I've had projects where the Speaker of the House's mother lives across the street. You're not getting that project, okay, unless you buy her house. It's just not going to happen. Move on to the next thing. Um, the, the, the lawyer that you hired is in a grudge match with the mayor, um, and it's never going to happen because he's mad at your lawyer, and your lawyer's not telling you that. Uh, no one's going to tell you that. 
I had, I had a client who was tied up two and a half years before they brought me in. And in the first three days, I, I talked to the mayor's office and I said, he hates your lawyer. You're never going to get it. <laughs> get a new lawyer. That's right. um, and they got a new lawyer and they got the project. Um, but it, it's political due, due diligence to at least know, was the entire board elected on a no growth platform last year because they were upset about the last three projects that came to town? Um, you know, you, you need to know these things. And every once in a while, I will do this and tell a client, walk away from this one. It's a waste of money. You're never going to get it. Um, that's probably happened four or five times in 30 years. Uh, ordinarily, we can come up with a plan for how are we going to build support, demonstrate support, overcome opposition, negate some of the opposition, win them over. Um, but you got to have a campaign plan. Um, the, the fact that it's a good project and the mayor says, I really need this. Is it going to be enough when the entire neighborhood shows up? And uh, add to that the amount of times that, and people are surprised by this, the amount of times where your opposition is competitor generated. Right. It's anti-competitive. Um, and they're not negotiating in good faith. Uh, even when they appear to be negotiating, they're going to keep moving the goalposts. Um, and uh, uh, you know, they're doing everything they can to kill your project from the inside. Yeah, and how might you know or realize that you're really not dealing with concerned neighbors, that you're probably dealing with a competitor uh, that has a property or a business that he feels is uh, that he should raise money and fight you? How do you know that's happening, and what do you do different? Yeah, uh, it's uh, as Woodward and Bernstein said, follow the money. <laughs> um, it, it's it, uh, Does the neighborhood group have a lawyer? Now, there are some communities where it's a wealthy community and some of the people in the group might be a lawyer. There are some where they have money and they don't mind hiring a lawyer. But the typical community group at the first meeting isn't hiring a land use attorney. Um, they're not paying for experts, environmental, water runoff, uh, uh, traffic, peer reviews. I mean, all of uh, when, when they're spending money and you can't see where that money is coming from, think about what competitors... Um, are, are likely to benefit from stopping you or delaying you. Mm. Um, a lot of those competitors that, that, that don't understand this um, and are trying to stop you might not understand that it is perfectly legal to try to stop a project. It's legal for a competitor to try to stop a project. Uh, it's even legal for them to do it surreptitiously. It is not legal for them to delay you. If they're, if, if, they're not going to be able to stop you if all they're trying to do is delay you. That's interference with contractual relations, and uh, that's where it starts to fall apart. So there are a number of of, of things you could look for with competitor-generated opposition to try to derail it. Um, follow the money. Uh, uh, notice that, that the neighbors aren't necessarily showing up. Um, the people that are paying for the lawyer, there's nobody standing next to them. Uh, where are those people? Um, they're not going to hold up under depositions if this if this goes to appeal. Um, you know, there's there's just a it's a totally different animal when it is competitor generated than if it is real. The mutual gains approach is not going to work. Uh, you, you, it's it's a much tougher fight, and you're going to have to go after them directly, discredit them, prove that it's being funded by outside sources, um, and uh, demonstrate to other support at the same time. Good point. So, Patrick, if you're on a team to do a large redevelopment entitlement project um, and you're bringing on 
uh, an attorney as well in the in the in the uh, admission. What are some aspects of hiring that attorney? Do you need one that's uh, connected? Do you need one that's politically connected? Do you need one that's actually filed a lawsuit against a municipality before? Is that good or bad? So here's the key thing that I would look for there. Um, every single town has a politically connected land use attorney. And he can get you access to the mayor, and he knows the city councilors. Uh, his brother-in-law is probably chairman of the planning board, right? Um, but while he can get you access, and 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 uh, um, if that works, it's the easiest and cheapest way to do it. In the end, he doesn't really work for you. He works for them because he's going to represent McDonald's in front of that same board next week, and so. If it comes down to playing hardball to to get this board to, to act, to, to get your project, he can't do that. And you need to understand that limitation. So that locally political that local politically connected land use attorney is invaluable. You, you want that guy. But understand that at a certain point, he's not representing you. He needs that his priority is protecting his relationship with the municipality. So I will often come into these projects, and I, I do them. I've done them in 48 U.S. states, uh, over 2,000 projects, and I'm working with that attorney. And we'll hit a point on a really controversial project where, if he takes another step, they're going to get mad at him, and that's going to impact his all his other clients right. and everything else he's doing. So, we need to think. Um, oftentimes, that politically connected guy will be good at first. Mm -hmm. And then maybe we need to back him up with a larger law firm because um, uh, we might be talking about lawsuits and appeals and um, uh, other, you know, these can get ugly sometimes. But just understand that the local, uh, everything comes back to the godfather, right? Yes, uh, the local politically connected land use attorney is not a wartime consigliere. Interesting, interesting. Fox, what about Fox, um, Patrick, Fox. competing municipalities? How might a developer uh, use uh, the fact that maybe some other communities would like the project to help things go smooth? It, it is um, it is difficult to use in a budding municipality. I mean, we we you can get uh, a letter of support. Uh, sometimes they'll generate a letter of opposition, but. Um, Depending on the on the political situation in that particular community, it usually doesn't mean that much to the boards that are making the decision. And so, even their opposition doesn't right. often mean that much. So, um, should the developer potentially have three different cities or sites and maybe use that to their advantage to leverage sites against each other? Yeah, is that what you mean? Right. Yeah, um, uh, I I think that's it is difficult to do. Um, but we, we do tend to make it clear that this is a competitive process. And especially these days, um, when there are fewer projects, it is, it is, uh, uh, tougher to, to attract these projects that communities need the economic development money. And if it's not going to go in your community, if the jobs aren't coming here, if the tax dollars aren't coming here, they're going to go to an abutting community. Sometimes, um, you're still going to get some of the impacts. You're still going to see the traffic. Uh, you might see some of the same impacts on the project, but you're not going to get the tax dollars and the jobs. It's going over there. Okay. Um, so that can be a powerful argument. 
We need to be careful, though, that some of these arguments are better made by third parties and not by the developer directly because they can sound threatening. Interesting. So who might so, those third parties... It all needs to be part of a plan. Okay, and who might these third parties be? Um, Brokers or... work. It, it, part, part of the political due diligence pro uh, process that we go through on a project is looking in, in every single municipality. There are groups that are more active, that, that are more influential. In one place, it might be the Historic Society. In another place, it's the Little League parents. Uh -huh. um, it, it, you know, it... it got to figure out what that group is um, and how would they benefit if you come in? Is it that you're a good neighbor and you're going to sponsor programs that they have? Um, is it that uh, the tax dollars that you're going to generate are going to be earmarked to help them? I mean, who's going to benefit if you come in? Who are the groups that matter? How can we make sure those groups benefit? Um, and how can we leverage their support to make a difference in this project? We know that opposition is coming. Right, there will be opposition at at, at the the public hearing. Um, we need to make sure there's support. Yeah, and so we want to figure out where's the best support we can get. Who are the groups that are going to going to matter? In a lot of uh, municipalities, the first place I look is the senior citizens, because it is easy to get to them. Um, we can bring uh, uh, cookies and coffee or platters of shrimp to the senior center and do a whole presentation on our project. And when we're done. They'll sign petitions. They'll sign letters. They might even get on a bus and come to the hearing. Um, veterans groups, same thing. We can get to them. We know where they are. And uh, they'll sit for a presentation. And these are groups that vote all the time. They are influential demographics in their community. Yeah. And what are you seeing for incentives, um, tax incentives and things uh, that uh, developers getting today, more or less change, trend? Yeah, it, it depends on the community and the type of project um uh you're seeing more with housing um but it, it depends yep. the the battle for uh tips and tax breaks as someone who sometimes ends up working to protect my client's market share by making sure projects don't happen as well as uh, often working to make sure controversial projects do happen when 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 projects are getting um tips and in, in tax breaks it, it's it it it's easy to attack them right it's 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 uh, corporate welfare um no one's really crazy about using tax dollars to help corporations uh build more profit centers yeah um so it's it's a place that you, you need to be careful it's easy to be attacked on. yeah quite effective right well patrick what would you leave our audience with to think about for entitlement and zoning right now political due diligence uh, make sure that you know before you commit to the project, uh, take a look, do it, and you can do it in a way where uh, it doesn't out the project. You're not there saying, I'm here from Acme Development and we want to know what's going on in town. Mm -hmm. uh, have someone go in and ask some questions. Look at the last year's um, tapes of the planning board or city council meetings. Look at the last five projects, large projects that were proposed in town did they happen? Why didn't they happen? Who was for them? Who was against them? Because you're going to see all those people again. That's great tips. Great strategies. Patrick Fox, thank you, sir. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having all me. All right. Thank you for joining us around the country. Hey, please subscribe to the show. Please share the show. Please reach out to us. Uh, we appreciate you doing all of that. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show.
Appreciate the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.